The Joe Pags Show. To talk to Joe, call 888-941-PAGS. And now, it's Joe Pags. Hey, great to have you. Thanks a lot for taking the time. I appreciate you being here. Bottom of the hour is going to be Dinesh D'Souza. A great interview about his movie called 2,000 Mules. The movie is a documentary, and it tells the truth uncovered by him, by True the Vote, um, using cell phone technology, using video cameras. Um, what happened on election night 2020? And what, what he finds out is startling. What you'll hear in this interview is going to make your face hurt, going to make you want to see this movie, and then we wonder how can we make sure that we affect positive change before the next election. Very important interview. Make sure you stick around for that. Also, no longer grading papers in school because God knows we have to have some sort of equity in school or something. Hey, Carrie, I was on the uh, the Newsmax today. Did you check that out? Oh, Wednesday. That's right. You're yes, on every, every Wednesday. Wednesday. You yep. are on Yippers. every Wednesday. You, you are. know it. Mm-hmm. You know I'm on that That's Wednesday. Great. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You saying that I was on doesn't help me. I was, I was the guy who did it, so I knew I was on. Right. But uh, what did you think Wednesday. of the comments today, huh? You know, I really thought they were very thought-provoking. And um, <laughs> What thoughts you know, did they provoke so in you? So many. Um, Hard to put them no, into words, It huh? really is, yeah. It is, yeah. Well, what was the topic, Ellie? Just give me the topic. Um, about what's going on in our country. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I well, you're not wrong. The song, it's a very, it's a very generic thing. I don't think thing. you're going to play it if I tell you that I forgot. Well, let me ask you this. I ask you to do one thing for I about five know. minutes a week. I always forget. And then afterwards, it was so freaking great that the Newsmax people immediately tweeted out a video Ooh. of my appearance on Newsmax. Good job. Uh, and you're on Twitter, nice. and you follow me, and they tagged me, and I know that the restrictions are coming off my account on Twitter, so did you at least click the, the, the link on Twitter? Well, I didn't get that, actually. It didn't come have up you been on, on Twitter my notifications. At all today? I'm on it right now. So do you um, only have notifications on when somebody says something positive? <laughs> no. About I Radio Karaoke? I wish, but I don't. Oh, and yes, and listen, those watching and listening, because people love you. I'm so sick and tired of these stupid emails every freaking night. Every night. Why do you send oh, something to me? The, huh? We love the show, and it's just great, and it's wonderful, and we really love Carrie. Aww. But I'm like, no, no. Yes. Nobody yes. says that. Send those to me. I think no. I need to see them. I do. No, I, I. here's what I do. I print them out, and I put them in the shredder just to get that extra <laughs> You oomph. would do that. I actually you print would. them out before I shredding them that. digitally. I shred them in real life. Mm, so you couldn't take the time to even stop by. I forgot. Today. I totally forgot. I will try my very best next Wednesday at what two thirty, right? Two thirty Central. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be I'll be at a movie premiere next Wednesday at two thirty, so you won't be able to see me then. Oh, okay. Well, then two weeks from now. Are I, you going to the premiere of this two thousand mules? I was not invited. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Well, that's what? Awesome! I can't wait to see the picture. It's actually kind of cool because guess who I'm bringing? Who? My mama. Oh, well, that's nice. Isn't that nice? Yes. Very nice. I'm going to go there and hobnob a little. I'm going to tell you what. I'll tell you offline where it's going to be. Oh, okay. Then you're really going to get mad. You're really going to get, gonna get jealous. Mm, okay. Very yeah, angry. You must tell me. Tell me. All right. So listen, uh, the rule in the chat room is that I cannot play the song if you didn't watch the, the appearance. Yeah. Who says that? You make the rules. This is your show. I'm a gun guy is his name. Yeah, he goes by I'm a gun guy. Well, I'm a gun guy is wrong. 
And wow, I know wow. You got it. I know you Losing got faves it. left and right, Lockie. <laughs> I know you got it. You have to play it. Play it. By the way, it's at Radio, C-A-R-I-L-A-Q-U-E. Go follow her on Twitter. She will deny you any tweets. She will not say anything unless you say, we just, okay, okay. And then it's going to be I'll all heart, sorts of, thank I'll you heart. so much. Retweet, heart it. Oh, yeah. yeah Everything else. Yeah. What what day is it anyway? I forget. Wednesday. Whatever. Halfway there? Can I make you just feel better? No. No. I mean, I'll I'll give you this. sounded pretty good because that was before Father Time caught up with him. Wow. Now, we don't know what's going on, okay? We've talked about it. We can move on from that. Well, shouldn't he shouldn't he acknowledge there's something going on? I mean, why keep trying? I don't know. I don't know. And whoever is running your website... I have to yeah. say, you know, and they po- they post these things that I, I do see on Facebook sometimes, and right. they kind of encapsulate what we've talked about. And yes. on the headline was something like uh, John Bon Jovi singing sucks, and something else was going on. I was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't remember that. Who's running? About? Who is running that? Who's doing that? I got a bone. You know who's running that. it? The people who want you to watch my five minute appearance on Newsmax on Wednesday. <laughs> All right, two weeks. Uh, I'm there. So maybe we should maybe we should fix that up. Okay. All right, it is uh, eight 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 nine four one Pags JoePags dot com. Uh, do me a favor. There's another idiotic teaching move where we're not going to be great. Now, is this one specific teacher? Or is this this like a curriculum it's, thing? Um, one teacher. Talk to me. And I just lost it. Hold on. I'm getting it See, back. See, this is why I shouldn't be playing your stupid song. You get too excited. <laughs> you're pressing buttons. You shouldn't be pressing. I know. Go ahead. I accidentally closed it. Okay. From the Blaze, an English professor at the University of Richmond claimed recently she has abandoned the practice of grading her students' work as an exercise in social and racial equity. In an op-ed for The Conversation published Wednesday, Dr. Elizabeth Gruner said she stopped grading written assignments four years ago, and her only regret is that she didn't start sooner. Apparently, the longstanding practice has become an outdated method of educational assessment since it does not serve the student. Grading, Gruner argued, is highly inequitable, demotivating, and ultimately serves only to increase student stress. Never mind the litany of reasons educators have opted to grade students for centuries. Now the professor uses a practice called ungrading to assess her students' educational performance. In the op-ed, she listed off three reasons for doing so. One reason was that she wanted her students to focus on the feedback she provided on their written assignments and claimed that removing the grade forced students to pay attention to my comments. Another was that she selfishly hates grading and desired to be free from the tyranny of determining a grade. The tyranny of determining a grade. Uh, But Gruner offered a third reason for adopting ungrading as her method. I was concerned with equity, she said. This appeared to be her primary motivation. 
For almost 10 years, I've been studying inclusive pedagogy, which focuses on ensuring all students have the resources they need to learn, Gruner claimed, adding that her studies confirmed her sense. Sometimes what she was really grading was a student's background. Students with educational privilege came into my classroom already prepared to write A or B papers, while others often had not had the instruction that would enable them to do so, she explained. The 14 weeks they spent in my class could not make up the years of educational privilege their peers had enjoyed. Okay, just so I'm clear. We're living in a day and age where college students, many of them, not all of them, think that they should be able to take out loans, go and get the education, and not pay the loans back. We should have some sort of free college loan debt or something in this country. At the same time, we have so-called professors on the college level, like this person you just talked about, who has stopped grading papers. So if you assign something that is a written assignment and the the students turn it in and you don't grade it, how do you know if they ingested the information? How would you know that? Well, you wouldn't. The last paragraph says uh, Gruner acknowledges she does ultimately have to determine and assign her students with grades at the end of the semester as required by university rules. So how does she know what grades they have? (laughs) Oh. She's just assuming it? And how is it in, in, inequitable? It's, here's my problem. For those of you who are other than white Christian heterosexual men who are listening, people like this think you're stupid. They don't think you're as smart as I am. They don't think you can achieve like I've achieved. They don't think you have equal opportunity, although by law you do. They're literally telling you, a teacher like this is telling you, I don't think you can do the work required to get these grades. I think you're too stupid then to be able to keep up with Whitey over here. Whitey is smarter. You're not as smart. Therefore, I must change what traditional teachers or professors would do when it comes to grading the amount of knowledge you have in, in writing this paper or doing this test. They are telling those who are other than white Christian men heterosexual men in this country, they're telling them that they are not as good as. This is the racism of low expectations. And it's been a problem in this country for a very long time. I would love to hear from you if you are other than my ancestry and other than my skin tone. I would love to hear from you. And I want anybody who is what we call today of color to call my show and tell me that you agree with this professor that you're not as smart as I am that you're not as capable as I am, that you're not as able as I am, that you're not as motivated as I am, that you're not as driven as I am, and you're not, you're not intelligent enough to write a freaking paper and have a real grade on it. I'd love to hear from you. 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Stay here. This is the Joe Pags Show. Great to have you. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Appreciate you taking the time. 
I'm really glad to see somebody on the line disagrees with me. So you've got a college professor who is not grading papers whatsoever because it somehow is inequitable to grade papers. There's some somehow not equity when you grade everybody's papers. And I guess some communities that she sees as underserved or, or less than um, don't deserve to be graded on the same level as other communities, which makes no sense. The education is the same. The information is the same. The retaining or not retaining of the information for the test or the or the paper is the same. Why would we have a different way of grading papers when it comes to equity, which doesn't make any sense? Actually, I, I appreciate you calling in. What's on your mind? So I think the point here is that while our education by law is standardized, in reality, that's not always the case. You know, there's families that the children have to go home and help with chores, or they might have a job, or they might have to take care of younger siblings, yeah. and they don't get to really focus on their studies. And so they might not have had the same amount of, you know, preparation for college. And right. when, in regards to not grading papers, she yeah. did say that she provides feedback. And I think the whole point is sometimes a harsh grade can really deter people. And she's really more about people learning and growing and allowing them to feel safe to do so. And without focusing on that grade, it allows them to really focus on that feedback and get feedback that they may never have gotten before. Well, okay. Um, well, I hear you. I want to, I want to interject this because I agree with a lot of what you said. I worked until two o'clock in the morning when I was in high school and I was on a baseball team and I, I slept through English class sometimes, which was my first class. And I had to actually prove that I learned this stuff because I missed 10. I think I was marked absent 10 times. It turned out I had an A in the class, but it wasn't because of my, my ancestry. It was because I learned what the guy was teaching. Having said that, I understand that people come from different walks of life and they have different situations at home. How does that change their their ability to learn the same information for the same degree that I want to get or that you want to get and use that degree, information, or education once they get out and want to be productive in society? If we coddle them in college, don't teach them nor gauge whether we taught them, they're going to fail in society, which isn't as forgiving. Go ahead. Well, I mean, as someone who has gone to college, I can get qualified for college loans, but I can't get a house. So I think there's other fish to fry here. Um, I'm not sure what you mean. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? We're we're, we're literally... Stop, stop, stop. Hold on. Actually, stop. I, I I can't let you go on a tangent that makes no sense. I want to stick with this because here you've got a professor who is saying, I'm not going to gauge whether you learned what it is that I'm teaching you. And what it is that I'm teaching you... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. No, you don't know that. Stop. Providing feedback is not a grade, so she doesn't really know. At the end of the year, she's giving some grade that she made up. That was part of the story. So if these people are somehow passing to make her feel better about equity, they're not going to be as equipped in real life to go and get the job they seek. They should be taught equally. Forget their ancestry. Forget their, their where they grew up. Forget their socioeconomic status. Teach them what they have to learn for that job they want to go and get. What's wrong with that? Hello? Did she hang up she on me? Up. Come she on, dude. Come on, man. Actually, don't be such a, a snowflake. I mean, you are you ta- already mentioned the word safe place or a safe space. Don't hang up when we're having a discussion. I mean, you were trying to inter- interject when you didn't want me to speak at all. Here's the bottom line. I appreciate you calling in and disagreeing. I like that. I appreciate what you said in the beginning, and I agree with you. We come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, different situations, maybe a single parent home. They had to go and work. They had to take care of their brothers and sisters. I get all that. But when you go to take 
higher education and you want to learn to be a lawyer or engineer or a communications person, a journalist, then you have to learn at a level that will get you a job once you get your degree. If you're handing out degrees to people after giving some feedback and not actually grading the work that they're doing, when they get into the workplace and they want to come and work for Joe Pags Media and I hire them and they say they're a video editor or they say that there's somebody who can book my show and they don't know how to do anything even though they have a communications degree, I've got a problem with that. You've now set that person up for failure. So here's my bottom line. The professor wants to feel better about herself And she wants the students to feel better about themselves, and they will during the course of that class. You know when they're going to feel really bad about themselves? When they can't do the job that they thought they were trained to do. So I don't want to treat people in different socioeconomic statuses or different races or or ethnic backgrounds differently. I want to treat them the same for jobs that don't include those characteristics. And if you're disagreeing with that, and you're telling me about a, a safe space and about feedback, that doesn't make sense to me. Now, you and I can like each other and mix it up and have a debate and and converse about things without us, at the end of the day, agreeing. That's fine. The fact that you hung up told me you were not open to having the discussion, and that's too bad. Let me go back at it. Let me say hello and welcome to line four and Jay in Florida. Jay, what's going on? Hi. Hey, Joe. I'm living the American dream like you are. And, you know, I am, I I told Carrie, I'm a a person of uh, mixed background. I just had a DNA done. I was very curious. I'm in my uh, early 60s, and I got curious about it, and I found out that I'm from everywhere. My ethnicity is from everywhere except uh, Antarctica and uh, Australia. That's awesome. I don't have any penguin, and I don't have any aborigine in me. But (laughs) here's what it is. Education and hard work is, is what got me to be successful. And I didn't come from any kind of a stellar background. I had Boy Scouts, and I had church. But, you know, honestly, uh, mom and dad had to work for a living. I was the oldest, helped raise the uh, younger kids as that came along. I had to do similar things, work hard, study hard. And when I failed, you know, you learn more from failure than you do from success. So my point is that if you um, are a person of motivation and, more importantly, determination, you will get what you want in life. You just have to work hard for it, and I don't think that anything should get in your way if you don't let it. Exactly right. She's making it easier for people, and when you make it easy for somebody, when they actually face the job that they want and that they were hoping that they're now educated to do, they're going to fail in their faces. I would rather them get an F or a D in college, work hard to improve that grade and learn what you're not learning, than get a nothing in college, a pat on the back, get a degree that you can't use. I think that makes sense. Let me go to another Jay in Minnesota. Jay, one minute. It's all yours. Let's go. Hey, Joe. Thank you. Uh, So just a couple of questions. First one is, uh, doesn't this impact accreditation for colleges and universities? They have to have a certain set of standards that they follow. That's my first question. And then second point is just, I think you already made it. if the entire college apparatus in that particular institution isn't doing the same thing, isn't she also hurting these same students that now have a class on the other side of the campus does apply grades? And then the other thing is when they do get down to the real world, grading is all over the place. Your meat is graded. Your engine in your car is graded. When you have cancer, you have a certain level. Doctors, nurse, I mean, everything. Right. So I, I completely agree. 
I think this whole premise is wrong. Right? Uh, Jay, I, I'm with you. Uh, the, I think the only answer that you're really looking for, because you answered the other two, is accreditation. I think her admitting this is going to hurt the accreditation of the university where she works, and and that's probably going to force her to have to actually grade classes or leave that university. Just a bad thing to do, because you're actually setting people up for failure just to make yourself feel good when you go to sleep at night. 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. To next D'Souza, when we come back. Stay here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have back my friend. He's an author, best-selling author. He's also a great movie maker. He's a great political mind. And again, just a great all-American guy, Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, how are you? Good to see you. Joe, it's great. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I got to start with the with the elephant in the room, and I want to get into 2,000 Mules, your new movie that's coming out very soon. I know that in my home market in San Antonio, there are some tickets left for a couple of showings, and we'll make sure that we push that. But we're on 165 stations. Hopefully, people can find it um, everywhere that it's going to be. But I have to start with the elephant in the room. Elon Musk, I believe, because the Babylon Bee was suspended, I really think this was the tipping point for him. His favorite little, you know, satire site um, decided to spend forty-four billion dollars and take the power away from Tech Valley and the left infrastructure by buying Twitter. What were your initial thoughts? Did you think he would actually do it? This is a absolutely huge step because we've got you know billionaires on our side. Well, not billionaires with the resources of Elon Musk for the most part, right? Because uh, he's the richest man in the world. But a lot of the billionaires don't understand the importance of culture. Now, the left-wing billionaires do, and happily so does Elon Musk. Now, the reason the left is wailing and screaming and gnashing their teeth, and I was laughing today about the crying of the Asian Indian Twitter lawyer, <laughs> Vijaya Gade, right. an absolute performance artist, by the way. And, you know, and think about what she's crying about. She's not crying about the fact that she's being victimized, that she's being restricted, that she's being banned. She's crying about the fact that she doesn't get to ban and restrict other people. It reminds <laughs> me like of the prison guard in the Shawshank Redemption. He beats people up with glee the whole movie. And finally, when he's caught, he's like, oh, <laughs> weeping and wailing. This is really I mean, I had to chuckle, I got to say. Now, um, you know, the censorship for the left only works when everybody's in on it, when all the platforms collaborate and they've got they've got, you know, Facebook in their pocket. They've got YouTube. In fact, so much so that I can't put my movie trailer up on those platforms. Okay, that's crazy. Uh, but here comes, you know, Elon Musk and he wrestles away Twitter from those guys and their monopoly is broken. Look, the free market will work when there's no monopoly. So this is a huge development. Did, uh, it's Dinesh D'Souza. Go to DineshD'Souza.com. Find his movie, 2000 Mules, where you live, and go check it out. It's premiering in the next few days. So go and do that. Um, I, I've got to ask you this, though. Did you see what Ari Melber over on MSNBC said? He, he, I don't know if you saw that piece of video. I just that put it out again. Session. Was that the guy who now they're going to be able to, you know, yes. dial people down and take away their voice and go after their political opponents? And affect elections. Dinesh, he basically admitted exactly what Twitter was able to do for all of these years and specifically did it in 2020 by squelching the New York Post and the Hunter Biden story. Some studies say 10%, some say 16% would not have voted for Biden had they even known about the story. And this guy was was crying more liberal tears that they can no longer do what he fears the right is going to do. 
I mean, think it's of nuts. what a think of what a room temperature IQ you have to do to <laughs> to say that with a straight face and not even realize that I, even as you're speaking, your statement is boomeranging on you. So right. yeah, I, I that was that was great. Well, it was a great expose of exactly what they knew the entire time what Twitter was doing. And, and by the way, I don't think that Elon Musk is a conservative. I think he's a libertarian. I think he's more down the middle, and he believes in freedoms. He literally has said, "I believe in free speech on this platform." That's what was promised, but. But free speech according to the law. If the law says this is illegal to say this, like I'm going to kill you know, uh, Joe Paggs, well, then that should be a problem. It shouldn't be on my platform. He simply just wants it to be even-handed. Why would anybody have a problem with that? Did they get so comfortable, Dinesh, with their redefinition of free speech that that's why they're freaked out? I mean, you get an idea of how smart this guy is. He made uh, almost casually a novel argument for free speech uh, in which he said, look, most people defend free speech by saying, hey, listen, this is a natural right. It's a basic right. Even the majority doesn't have a right to take it away. There it is in the Bill of Rights. But what Elon Musk said is he said, listen, even if we're succumbing to the will of the majority, the will of the majority is expressed through laws. The majority elects representatives and they make laws. So if Congress wants to make a law restricting free speech, we'll take a look at it. But if something is legal, that means the Congress democratically has evidently decided not to prohibit it, which means to allow it. And so his point is that allowing people to speak as long as it's legal is the only position fully consistent with a democratic society. And there's a kind of refreshing novelty to that argument, which I confess I hadn't really heard put that way before. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The guy seems to be very, very black and white. This is what I think. This is what I believe. This is what this thing should be. You promised that it was. It's not okay to promise something and then not follow through on the promise. You can't shadow ban. He actually is posting memes of people in the shadow ban group uh, that, that are banning people. Uh, I think that it's refreshing. I hope that it continues on this path. And I hope that the liberals keep on freaking out over what they think he'll do. And what they think he'll do is what they know they already did. And that's what they fear. It's Dinesh D'Souza. Go to DineshD'Souza.com. Let's get into 2000 Mules. When the election happened in 2020, I went to bed, you went to bed, Trump was winning. We woke up, Trump was losing. And everybody started to freak out. We're hearing about uh, not letting observers see what was going on in Philadelphia and Detroit. I had Rudy Giuliani on many times. That's why I've been demonetized on YouTube, by the way, and on Facebook. I dared to have Rudy on to actually talk about actual evidence, affidavits he collected from people who saw what they said was fraud. But every time I would make this case, and you would make the case, and Trump would make the case, the left would say, where's your proof? The judge threw it out. They didn't hear the case. They didn't prove anything. Where's the Kraken? Then you got Sidney Powell saying this and, and Lynn Wood saying the other. You have a completely different angle than anybody else has had. This isn't about what happened inside these facilities that, that the right wasn't able to observe. This happened at these these. Um, I, almost mailboxes that were collecting the votes where you're allowed to put one vote in for you. If Dinesh Susan wants a vote or a Joe Pags wants to vote, you put one vote in for you and then you leave. You can't put somebody else's vote in and you can't go and collect votes. Um, but mail-in balloting allowed for that. Is this sort of exactly what you go after in this movie? Yes. Uh, in the movie, I partner with a group called True the Vote, and they're the ones that bought this cell phone geo-tracking data. They bought 10 trillion cell phone pings of data. Oh, wow. Uh, and this is from October 1 to Election Day 2020. And they also bought some data in Georgia for the runoffs. And what they did is they monitored these cell phones. You can run a search algorithm basically saying, I want to find out if a single cell phone made a stop 
at any of these left-wing organizations, which are left-wing activist organizations in places like Atlanta, Detroit, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and then went to a minimum of 10 drop boxes. So think about this. You might have a reason to go to one to drop in your own ballot. Yes. Maybe for some eccentric reason you go to two. You just like going to a drop box. But who in the middle of the night wearing gloves goes to 10 drop boxes and deposits in them a whole bunch of ballots? Who runs like the mailman a kind of route of dropping off these fraudulent ballots? So we've uncovered this massive coordinated uh, ballot trafficking ring in all the key states. Uh, the reason I use the title 2,000 mules is that there's a minimum of 2,000 of these mules or paid operatives who are collecting at these stash houses illegal votes and depositing them in mail-in drop boxes. And, and the vote margin we're talking about is much bigger than the difference between Trump and Biden in those states in the 2020 election. It's remarkable what they did um, in collecting this data. It's remarkable that you put it together in such a way that, that uh, any layperson could understand it. You're extremely smart. I'm reasonably intelligent. You and I don't know where there were 10 drop boxes that night. I, I don't know. Do you know where there were 10 in your neighborhood? I don't. No, and remember, sometimes the 10 drop boxes or more were over many counties. I mean, these are guys the who The same are, people were going to different counties. Right. They are driving through multiple counties in the middle of the night. Now, the beauty of this, when I heard about the geotracking, I was impressed because I knew that geotracking helped us, helped the CIA to find bin Laden. Right. They tracked not bin Laden's phone, but the phone of his associate. Uh, uh, geotracking was used to arrest January 6th protesters. Geotracking is used every day by law enforcement. I mean, if there's a murder in a park in the middle of the night and they know that there were 10 cell phones in that park, Probably one of those guys did it. So they unmask the cell phone. They find out who those cell phones belong to. Every cell phone has a distinctive ID. They go and interview those people. This happens every day. Sometimes you walk into a mall, you get a notification. They're having a special at the Apple store or CVS. Well, how do they know where you are? Geo-tracking. Right. So exactly this, right, is a, right. this is now ubiquitous in ordinary life. And this is the exact same technology used to track these mules. It's uh, Dinesh D'Souza, great author. He's a best-selling author, a great movie maker, a great friend of mine. Uh, Dinesh, will they find out where they can go and see the movie by going to, to, to DineshDeSouza.com? Yes, but the real place to go, in fact, you'll be directed to go here from my website, 2000mules.com, to just the number 2000mules.com. There are sort of five different ways to see the movie. It's in about 300 theaters on Monday, May 2nd, and Wednesday, May 4th. There's an in-home virtual premiere, which you can watch from home, on Saturday, May 7th. Nice. Then the movie's, go well, DVDs for sure, and then the movie's going to go into digital download. And by the way, it's not going to go up on Apple iTunes or Amazon Prime or not Netflix. I'm putting it on uncancelable platforms. Nice. So Salem Now, the Salem platform, but also Rumble. Rumble owns a platform called Locals, and Rumble is getting completely behind this movie. So I'm really excited that these are places where the left cannot take this movie down. Uh, it's uh, Dinesh D'Souza. The name of the movie is 2000 Mules. Go to 2000mules.com. So let me ask you this. All right, so it's suspicious as hell, Dinesh, that the same few people went to all these drop boxes. Turns out there were at least 2,000 of them that did this. There is no legitimate reason to go drop box to drop box. But let's say that I've got no life and I wanted to just drive by the drop boxes. That's not proof of anything. Do you have any video that correlates with this? Do we see people putting more than one ballot in a drop box, which then would have required an investigation? What are you doing? Are you voting for somebody else? Where did you get the extra votes? Is there more correlating video that you tie in? 
Yes, absolutely. So this, from a movie point of view, is the absolute bombshell, right? Because it's one thing, it's kind of like saying, I'm going to show you some DNA evidence of the guy who committed the murder, but it's a whole different thing to see him breaking into the house. Exactly. You know? So we have that. Uh, and in fact, we have four million minutes of video. Now, oh, man. Not all the states took video, but of the ones who did, we have a lot of video and there's a heck of a lot of video in the movie. And it's mind-blowingly effective because you just see a guy standing, dropping in one ballot after the other, and then jumping in his car, going off to the next drop box. So people will be able to see the proof of it for themselves. The beauty of the difference between this and the Giuliani affidavits or even Sidney Powell is they were saying, I got an affidavit from a guy and he says this. Yeah. But right. we don't have that here. You don't have to take anybody's word for it. You can see the crimes being committed for yourself. Do you have, I, I heard word that there was at least one of these so-called mules that, that was actually helping out with an investigation to this. Do you have that person in the movie, uh, Mosaic or anything else? Absolutely. No, we have a mule that was busted in an operation in Arizona. She cooperated with the authorities and agreed to come on camera in the movie. We did camouflage her identity, but it is fascinating because this is the mule's point of view. This is the crime from the point of view of the criminal's themselves. Uh, I get to see the movie next week and I appreciate you inviting me to that. I can't wait. And as great as the movie is going to be, and I know it's going to be great, and I'm gonna, it's going to be even greater than I expect it to be. What now, Dinesh? What can we do with it? You've got actual evidence. This isn't somebody writing a novel. This isn't somebody making a, a, a fiction movie. This is you exposing what really happened on that day. What can be done with that, if anything, at this point? Well, let me say, first of all, that we have a climactic scene in the movie where we tabulate it up. We do the math. Great. We show we show you not just the total number of illegal votes, because that by itself is meaningless, but we break it down state by state. And we show you, would this have flipped Georgia from Trump to from Biden to Trump? Let's go to Arizona. Let's do the math. And so we're able to, in a sense, recount the electoral vote Amazing. by subtracting the fraudulent votes. I mean, it's a thrilling aspect of the movie, and it raises huge questions. And to be honest, we're sort of in uh, uncharted territory. The Constitution does not contemplate. Let's consider if someone is elected, the, the Electoral College certifies the vote, it's accepted by both houses of Congress, and it emerges a year later unmistakably that they cheated. Then what? What happens? The Constitution doesn't say. And that's the situation, quite honestly, that we are in right now. And by the way, if all your information is above reproach, which I believe it is, the DOJ, the way it's comprised today, is not going to do anything. They won't do, they're not doing anything with Hunter Biden as far as we know. Maybe, maybe they'll get him on tax evasion or something. So, so what is the recourse? Just win in 2020? Maybe your movie provides that this kind of fraud can't happen again in this upcoming election, where, by the way, you've heard this as much as I have, maybe even more, that m many conservatives are afraid to even go and vote. They don't think it's going to count. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly right that, look, going to Merrick Garland with this is like going to the conciliary of the Corleone family and saying, hey, the mafia is up to some really bad stuff. Right. Uh, look, that's the, you know, the, if, the, if the movie's documentation is accurate, then you've got the wrong guy in the Oval Office. And, of course, Merrick Garland is his wingman, if right. I may say so. Now, look, there's plenty that can be done. The first thing to be done is that Republican attorneys general in these swing states need to arrest the mules. Yes, Remember, right. we have the self phone IDs, not the names, but the cell phone IDs of all these mules. And law enforcement can simply get permission, go to the providers, unmask the mules, arrest them. Who paid you? How much were you paid? Who put you up to this? Who organized this? So there is a logical next step. In fact, law enforcement does this in other crimes all the time. And let's remember that to pay someone to drop 
a vote into a ballot box is by itself a fraudulent vote and is by itself a felony. So vote harvesting is permitted in some states, like in California. You know, you can give your friend your ballot and say, hey, you go drop it off. Right. But in no state in the country is it legal to pay a mule to deliver a ballot. Once money enters the process in that way, the process is corrupted. Is there an assumption in the conclusion in the movie, Dinesh? And it's Dinesh D'Souza. Go to 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Buy every book that he's ever done. See every movie he's ever done. Amazing. He and his wife, Debbie, produced these movies. It's just dynamite. Uh, is there any conclusion in this movie that um, that the, the ballots that were dropped off were actual ballots by actual voters that were just dropped off illegally by somebody who's a mule? Or is there an assumption made through the evidence that we see that these are fraudulent ballots that never should have been cast to begin with? No, these are not legal ballots legally delivered. These are fraudulent ballots fraudulently delivered. There is, in fact, no legal way. We're talking, by the way, with these two uh, thousand mules, uh, an accumulation of well over 400,000 votes. So think about it. How are 400,000 people going to decide simultaneously in five swing states, let's walk over to these nonprofit organizations and give them our vote that they can then legally deliver? I mean, uh, how would that even work? It's so nonsensical. And then when you see the mules, think about it. If it's all very innocent, why are the mules operating in the middle of the night? Why are they wearing hoodies covering their faces? Why do they look to the left and the right? Why do they then wear gloves, which they then discard because they don't want fingerprints to be on the ballot? Why are they taking photos if not to get paid? So all of this, when the totality of it hits you as a viewer, you begin to realize that you are observing uh, a criminal operation and not something that is in any respect legitimate. DinesHDSouza.com, go to 2000Mules.com, see this movie. Again, there is some availability still left in your town, uh, also here in San Antonio where we're home based. Uh, where we're home based. Uh, one last question, has Elon Musk um, seen this movie? And have you seen a big increase in following on Twitter since the reins were taken off? Well, you know, I don't check, but I was just scrolling through Twitter and some guy goes, I can't believe it. Marjorie Taylor Greene gained 41,000 followers yesterday. Dinesh D'Souza gained 40,000. AOC lost like 25,000. I'm thinking, I was thinking, how could that happen? And then it occurred to me, they're probably these Twitter nerds and they were controlling the dials, kind of puffing up AOC. And and then they realize Elon Musk is in the building. And so like termites, (laughs) they all start running and they leave the dials. And since nobody's now fooling with the dials, you get your own natural traction i'm guessing that's what happened and it, but it's an exhilarating feeling no, it really is i had hundreds of people say pax i haven't seen your stuff in about three years suddenly i'm seeing your tweets again which is a good thing we just want fairness i don't want any sort of a, an extra benefit i want fairness 2000mules.com dinesh thank you so much for coming on today i'll see you next week and hopefully people will sell out these theaters this is a very very important piece of work thank you my friend thank you all right brother we're back after this stay right here on the joe pag show This is the Joe Pag Show. Hope you enjoyed the interview with uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Polo, I left you 10 seconds for a quick pop story. Yeah, so apparently Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly drink each other's blood. Okay, that's disgusting. I wish they would stop that. It's unsanitary. That is Polo. That's Sam. That's Carrie. I'm Joe. We'll see you later. This is the Joe Pegg Show.